we, like as women, are creators. Yeah, no one thinks about it like that. We're creating life from literally nothing, from the energy of our body. Welcome to Woke Wogs. I'm your host and resident Wog Jaharat Volpe here to navigate and facilitate conversations with the Wogs within my community that inspire me and hopefully you too. Now, if you're not familiar or not familiar <laughs> with the term Wog, it's a racial slur aimed at Southern European immigrants in Australia back in the day that has now been reclaimed and is celebrated as an identity affirming label. With that said, I want to draw attention to the ill use of this word still throughout the United Kingdom towards people from the East Indies, parts of Asia and North Africa. I want to pay my deepest respects and understandings to what the mention of it may bring up in you. Now for some quick self-advertisement. Do you have an event coming up and need an MC to make it a moment to remember? Well, that's what I do. I curate the optimal flow to any type of event and connect audiences to the messages that organizers are yearning to convey. Salt, great, just DM me at the link attached and I can't wait to get involved. All right, in this episode, we unpack the innate power of women, why you shouldn't be scared of pregnancy, and how Sarah went from midwife to facilitating natural births by candlelight. Hold my hand and let's do this. Sarah Janetta, uh, the midwife mummy, I'm sure you're going to be able to color in all of that and what that means, but I am... So excited to welcome you to Woke Wogs. Thank you. Yeah. Excited to be here. The best thing about this for me is that I normally go on a little bit of like a Wog verification system. Yeah. I want to make sure that, you know, is this person Wog? Certified Wog. Yeah. The best thing about you though is that, as we spoke to before, is that your accent or, you know, you sound very ethnic. It's It's true. <laughs> I've never had anyone tell me that before. So And, and survive. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was it was great because I was, as I was um, speaking to you before over our little coffee about it was when uh, Molly was telling me about you and all that you do within uh, the world of of birthing and pregnancy and being being a mother and how how to really bring it back into its roots and really empower women to go on that journey in a complete way and. Yeah, when I looked at everything that you do and how real and raw it was, I was like, wow, this person is absolutely straight up and out there. And when I got on the phone to you, uh, <laughs> I still laugh at it. I'm like, you know, this, that, this is what I love to do. You're like, babe, I love talking. This is my thing. Just let me at it. Yeah, I could talk all day about this subject because it's a passion. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people can see that and... It shines in the way I talk about the things I talk about, mm -hmm. and it is very authentic because it it is my passion, mm. and I'm not someone that likes to beat around the bush, especially when it comes to things I'm passionate about. But also, when I really believe that I'm right in what I'm saying, you will not beat me. <laughs> She's staring me down. By the way. <laughs> 
Now, just just to colour it in for for those who aren't really familiar with what it is that you do and the titles that you hold on your Instagram, could you colour that in for us? Yeah, definitely. So um, I got my Bachelor of Midwifery and Nursing, so I've done a double degree in uni. I was a nurse, registered nurse, registered midwife. And then after I had my second baby, I was on mat leave and then COVID hit and I was in two minds about going back to work or not. And just with, I guess, personal beliefs, I chose not to go back into working in the hospital. Um, You have to jump through so many hurdles at that point to then be able to work in the hospital again. But I really missed working with women and educating women. So then I decided to do a hypnobirthing instructor course that would allow me to teach the Hypnobirthing Australia program, which is birth education. Um, And then I also started my Instagram and that kind of allowed me to do what I wanted to do but not be at work, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It it, it sounds like able to work in the way that you want to work and give this work to the world. Yeah, and I didn't know that that was the way I wanted to work and what I wanted to do until I'd done it. Mm. So I guess COVID was a blessing in disguise professionally for me Um, because then I started doing the course and I learnt it's really odd and bizarre and this is kind of where the wheels started turning for me about my transition from being um, like in the system to out of the system is when I done this hypnobirthing practitioner course, I learnt so much about um, physiology and birth and being a woman and birthing babies, I learnt more in that course than I did doing my degree and working in a hospital as a midwife. Wow. Maybe you can take us there in a second. Uh, Like I want to like just crease that page and I want to like just go a couple of pages back to your journey towards midwifery. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Were you always like wanting to be a mother? Did you always have that within your spirit? Did you just love babies growing up and have this affinity towards it? When did that start to colour in for you? So my mum, I'm one of four, um, and my mum had my youngest brother when I was 10. And so I was really fascinated with her pregnancy and then when he was born I was like his second mum. So I just loved babies from there. And then during high school, um, I loved science and biology and in biology learning about the body was so fascinating to me. Okay. So when I was figuring out what I wanted to do, I was kind of talking with my mum and I'm like, I love babies and I love science and biology and stuff. And she's like, oh, well, you can do nursing or you could do midwifery. And I was like, what's midwifery? Yeah. And she's like, and she explained to me what a midwife is and it's like they work in the hospital and they look after pregnant women and, you know, um, you know, help with birthing babies and things like that. And I'm like, done, I'm going to be a midwife. Wow. And I like locked it in there. Boom. Um, yeah, so I put my preferences in for uni and that was that. And then, okay, so you put your preferences in, you go on this journey of becoming a midwife and whatnot. Do you recall the first time you got to work with a, a new a mother 
to be? Um, not really the first time, but when I done my placements or when we, when I was in uni from the first day of uni, learning about pregnancy, learning about women's bodies, learning about birth, I'm like, this is exactly what I'm meant to do. Wow. And was it a feeling in your body? Yeah. I was just like, I don't know what you would call it, but like more than fascinated. I was like mesmerized is the word. Just loved it from the first second I started learning about it, I guess. Wow. And it's it's crazy. That's that's the the only word that comes to mind for me because my brother recently, as I was telling you, uh, has just become a father. Shout out yeah. PV. I love you big time. <laughs> and he's been drip feeding me the journey, uh, the changes in the body, the way in which it preps itself, this knowledge within our biology or within women's biology to start to move and shift to get ready to birth a life into this world. Like what the absolute fuck? I know. I don't think anyone gives it the respect it deserves. Like we create like lives. Yeah. Like when people talk about God and the creator and rah, 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 it's like we like as women are creators yeah, no one thinks about it like that. We're creating life from literally nothing, from the energy of our body. Oh, yeah, I, 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 when I hear that, and you know, as a man, I feel removed from it. You know, I was talking to my brother, and he was he was going through that download as well. He was, yeah. I could see him changing, him going through his own sort of metamorphosis as well, realizing what's happening to his partner and his role to play, yeah. and that life after this moment will never be the same. Yeah. And just the fascinating stories about the conversations that he's having, the changes in the way that she was seeing the world and he was as well mm. for this moment of destiny, basically. Yeah, it changes your whole perspective, I think, when you when you do have children. Um, it really puts everything into perspective and mm. shows you your priorities. Like when I had my daughter, my, you know, friends would complain about work and I'm so stressed and this and that and I'm like, are you serious? Mm. Like that's your problem? That's not a problem. <laughs> hey, your problem is if... <laughs> Like if your kid's sick. Interestingly enough, also my brother having this baby with with Dominique, most beautiful woman, by the way, she's incredible. She's a woke wog and I'm trying to get her on here, so I'm (laughs) saying your name, babe, come on. Uh, But the whole family changes, you know. My Mm. whole respect for life changed. Like you, you talk about problems and the little things. As soon as this little baby came into the world, I'm like, what is anything else? This is, this is it. And the change and the ripples throughout the family, all of even the sort of like tussles and tensions, they've all evaporated. Like we're just here for this, this little thing and we want to give it everything that we can. And then it also gives us a respect for everything that we have and all the giving and loving that my mum gave me seeing this infant that has no power over anything. Yeah. You do also have a really big respect as a woman when you become a mother, I think that's when you start to really love and appreciate your own mother because mm. you don't understand how much your parents love you until you become a parent. Wow. Yeah. Cool. If you think about, like, what you love the most in this world, it's nothing compared to how much you love your child. Like, wow. that love, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> and you're smiling so beautifully yeah. when you say that. 
was it your daughter or your son that came yeah, first? Yeah, my daughter. Wow. And, and you were, and this is before you'd kind of gone on this transition into doing things in a different way. You were yeah, still within that system. Very much how, conditioned to the system. Yeah, and how was that experience for you going through birth in that way? Was it still magical? What what was the what was it like going from being the midwife to being midwifed, basically? It was very confronting, to be very honest, being on the other side of, I guess, the care, mm-hmm. being cared for rather than being the carer as a midwife Um, and that kind of made me change my practice a lot after I had my daughter. Um, I think as healthcare professionals when you're so used to seeing, you know, bodies or touching bodies and, you know, seeing breasts all the time or vaginas and things like that, you become really conditioned to that. So seeing a naked person is nothing. Mm. Um, Walking into someone's room is nothing. But when it's happening to you, it's actually really confronting. Um, So it really made me think about how I treated people and how I treated women and how I treated families as a dynamic when I'm caring for them during their labour and birth. And I think this is where one of the problems with the hospital system at the moment is we don't, they don't really see women as an individual. I feel like it's more like you come in, scan your barcode, we'll do what we have to do and then out. Yeah. It's not It's not really individualised or woman-centred and family-centred. Mm. Um, and you felt that when you were going through your pregnancy? and Yeah, like just having people touch my tummy and not ask, like I'm just going to feel baby's position or, you know, Mm. we're going to do a vaginal examination now or people just walking into the birthing room while I'm in labour, just knocking and walking in um, was really confronting and I was like, oh, my God, like I used to do that. That is horrible. Really, like, hit me in the face and took a hit to my ego. Yeah. I knock every time I walk into anyone's room if they're getting changed and here women are having a fucking baby fully the most vulnerable position ever, not mm. in control of anything else but creating life and, yeah, someone just walking in and and you're right, just like, cool, we're just going to do this and making these medical decisions and I always personally believe that those who are in those positions like you were just doing what they think is the right thing to do and whatnot and it's there to provide that service to make it as safe as possible within the knowledge that they've taken on but it is removed from that sensitivity to that vulnerability to what is actually happening is what I'm hearing as well. Yeah. It's something you don't really know until you kind of speak about it and you're like, oh, my God, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. After, is that when you started to feel a bit different towards your job or towards the way things were happening? What was that like after that experience? Um, It made me, I guess, look at women very differently and really treat them. Sounds silly, but that made me really treat them like a person, Mm. like a woman, an individual woman, as opposed to just a physical vessel coming in to birth their babies. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, it's it's a long journey. I don't really know when things kind of switched. It was just very slowly switching until I realised this is not what I want to do anymore. This is I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was facilitating the trauma to women. Because it is a trauma, huh? 
Well, one in three women perceive their birth as traumatic. Okay. Which is astronomical. Yeah, that's... I think it might be a little bit more than that, to be very honest. But, yeah, one in three women will come out of their birth and view it as traumatic. Wow. And the impacts to them moving forward and their their child, I would assume, would be terrible or we wouldn't even know really the patterns that can kind of get woven in that situation. Yeah, well, it affects the way your pregnancy is will affect your birth and the way your birth is will affect your postpartum and your postpartum lasts forever. Like you're never, once you become a mother, you're never not a mother anymore. So the ripple effect goes into, for women, how you parent your... um, Sorry, just for the yeah. listener, postpartum. Postpartum is after you've had your baby okay. in that period. Yeah. And and me, the listener and me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also your birth experience for women, it sticks with you forever mm. and that can change how you view yourself, how you view your body, how you view your worth. Um, it can create like mental health issues, depression, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, all that kind of stuff can come from, you know, women's birth experiences. Yeah, wow. And, and you know, that postpartum, I remember speaking to Molly who thankfully put us in Connect, mm-hmm. how a lot, that, that depression, that postpartum depression that a lot of women go through. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of, I think, detachment as well when women have these traumatic events happening in their birth, they kind of just detach from their body because that's safer for, I guess, their mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really impacts, yeah, their postpartum and mental health. Mm. And their connection to their body. Connection to their body, connection to their baby. I think the connection to the body for females starts really young though. Mm -hmm. I'm still listening. Yeah. (laughs) So from a young age, we are not really taught to connect with our body, Mm. especially I believe more so for girls than boys. Yeah. Boys would know their privates like the back of their hand. Quite literally. Well, the front of their hand. Anyway, that's (laughs) it. Whereas girls, I ask women that, come to do my birth classes and they're in their 20s, in their 30s, and I ask who knows what their vulva looks like and not many women even know what their own body looks like or Mm. feels like. Um, And, again, it stems from our girls and periods and, you know, again, being detached from our body. Yeah. The ugh, the ugh. To something that's so natural, natural. and real. Yeah. Um, you transported me before uh, when you spoke about periods and how mums with their periods and their kids, that you have no choice. Like their kids are just seeing absolutely fucking everything, everything uh, in that place because that's yeah. just what it is. That's just life moving. You have no time to cover up and, you know, move away into a private space to have this for you. No, it's, it's out in the open and it just is what it is. And it's seen in a child's eyes, just something that's normal. Yeah. And I think it's the conditioning, like when we're telling young girls or young boys, like that's yuck or like we're, we're meant to hide that about ourselves, or we're meant to, you know, not show that we're on our period or show that we don't. Yet everyone's walking around, 50% of the population are walking around having periods yeah. and having bleeds. 
and it's something that is like we're not meant to talk about it, we're not meant to show it. Mm, it's shame. It it's, is. It's, it's shame. shame. That's where it comes from. And bleeding and periods in our cycle back in the day, like years and years and years and years ago, before there were hospitals and doctors and stuff, our, the cycle was celebrated and your bleed was celebrated and it was something really powerful and intuitive and a woman's power comes from her womb. Like mm. the whole reason we're able to have babies is because we have a bleed and because we ovulate and because we have a cycle, because we have periods. Mm. Without that we can't have babies. Yeah. <laughs> My mind is so visual and when you're taking me back in time, I'm like, fucking hell, what the hell? You know, even and it's all in the language for me. It's all in that conditioning, and no one even knows. Yeah. I always like to think, you know, oh, you know, it's people, it's them. It's no, no, we're all on this wheel, and it's until something chucks us off the wheel that we go, why the fuck am I running on that thing, or progressing that narrative? Oh, she's on her rags, or oh, you're on your period, and just even yeah. all those words echoing, 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 creating yeah. that shame, creating that refusal to what something is so natural. Yeah, yeah, and. As girls, we're not really taught the spiritual side of it either, <laughs> which I think is such a massive part of it. And I read this book called Wild Power and it's all about, you know, your cycle and your bleed and looking at it in more detail rather than just women bleed for five days a month. Yeah. It's, it's so much like our cycle is every single day of our life. Um, and not many women understand that mm. or know how, yeah, they just don't understand it. And yeah. if you don't understand your cycle, you don't really understand yourself because women, I'm sure you've been around <laughs> lots of girls and women in your life and it's like up and down. It's crazy. All the time for us depending on, you know, times of our cycle and it's, you know, or. Oh, PMSing and or she's on her rags, that's why she's upset and emotional and rah, rah, rah. But there's so much more to it, you yeah. know? Yeah, man, and, and it's crazy. Like even as a man, the responsibility that I have to take to know these things. Like my my ex-partner, when we started to understand when where she was at with certain things, it made everything easier and yeah. I knew what my role was. My role wasn't to sit there and say, oh, she's on her rags or she's PMSing, which are things a younger version of me have said plenty of times. It was, oh, she needs me right now. Yeah, How can or what I... does she need at this point in time? Maybe she needs some space. Yeah, exactly, and having that language. Yeah. Oh, man, and, and, and she was really great. When she used to message me, hey, letting you know this is where I'm at, this is what's coming up, this, and it was great. It actually changed. I was like, yeah. now I know how to be enrolled in this situation yeah. rather than feel. Cyclical living. Yes, cyclical yeah. living. Yeah. And, you know, even when you talk about sacredness, and I always say to anyone listening to this podcast, if these words don't match with you and whatnot, that's fine. But, like, within an egg is billions of years of information to create a fucking human being. Mm. What the fuck? You know what I mean? Like that is unbelievable that when that is fertilised by my seed, billions of seeds going towards this one event that then creates life on earth that is beyond beautiful, beyond magical, which is us experiencing things and moving with things and we are of the earth and now we are the earth experiencing itself. It is mm. mind-bottling and blowing to then pull that back and then to refine it or maybe cut it down to just having a baby. You're right in that respect. It, it isn't a, the full experience 
that it should be given or at least should be understood, especially with how I think women come back into the community after that rites of passage? I think the respect isn't given to mothers. Mm. Um, I think the term that arises a lot is like the mother martyr. And back in the day when the medical system was being built up, before that we were all birthing at home we had wise women that would support other women in the community to birth. We would have, you know, women healers or um, men that did that as well. And then there was this massive shift when the medical system started being built up and for them to, for that to work, they needed to push the other side down. Mm-hmm. and make them redundant and make them needed. You know, I, I always feel like there's there's a sense of technology is amazing. We wouldn't be here talking on this awesome podcast, being able to put that out within the world. It's awesome. It's fantastic. But within knowing it all, uh, we can forget it all as well and forget these ways that things were done and especially within our diets and the way that we eat and the way that we sleep and the way that we work, it, it's kind of come back to a rediscovering of what it was to then actually inform why it is the way we're doing it now and how we're yeah. getting it wrong now. Yeah, yeah. The medical system looked at the mother as a vessel mm-hmm. and the baby as the thing that mattered and that's where we are in this day and age because, you know, when people announce their birth, they're like mum and baby are all well, mm-hmm. you know, but they're just physically well. Having a um, a healthy, alive baby is all that matters. Yeah. And that's kind of the narrative that gets spoken about. As long as you have a healthy baby, as long as the baby's healthy, then that's all that matters. But the well-being of the mother, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, psychologically is really important as well because it's the mother that keeps, I guess, the family together. The mother cares for the baby. Yeah. So we have all these, everyone's caring about the baby and the baby becomes the centre, but we should be having the mother as the centre and supporting the mother and caring for the mother. Because that's what's most important. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy when you talk about focus and it's you know, even riddled in fear. It's like here's this very important thing that we need to make sure all goes well. And by focusing so much on the thing, we're missing the thing, which is the person who's bringing that into the world and not just the health, the mental health, the spiritual health, the relationship health between her and the father and the baby because really... You know, at least what I've learned when I went and did this course last year, which was all about psychological uh, patternings and where it starts. It starts well before I come out into the world. It's actually within the womb that I'm feeling all the energies and all the th- thoughts and feelings of my mum that's coming in yeah. to create my personality. Yeah, all those hormones. If the mother is stressed, then she has cortisol Um, rising in her bloodstream and that cortisol goes through to the baby and so the baby has high cortisol and high stress hormones and that can um, potentially affect the pregnancy and can affect the baby. Um, Even when the baby's out of the womb, this baby's had all this 
high stress during the pregnancy and can affect their development when they're out of the womb. Mm. So the well-being of the mother um, affects the well-being of the baby, the fetus, the baby, and then the person that that baby will be. Wow. Okay. Huge. Amazing. I'm wanting to hug my mum right now so, so much. Uh, and also, yeah, you, you're really helping me feel and, and I just this massive amount of respect and gratitude for the mothers out there and also a bit of sorrow for the experiences that happen daily and continuously without this wealth of knowledge that you've gone on such a journey to grasp. So I want to plug back into your story, okay? You have this pregnancy, you feel a much different connection to the women that you're working with. You then find the way in which the system is working and it doesn't align with you and you feel like a big part of things are being missed or maybe the better word is lost for how they used to be. Mm. COVID then happens and you do this hip, hypnobirthing situation. We're back here at this yeah. little crease page. Let me just yeah. flick it. <laughs> What happens in there? What are the things that they show you or things that you can, or a day or something where you're like, wow, this resonates, this feels real, this feels like my next step in this journey of what I want to give to my community? Um, I think it's everything that we've spoken about, just going back to that, the spiritual side of pregnancy and growing a life inside of you and mm. being the creator and just really respecting your body for what it can do on its own. Um, and we never really got taught that or it wasn't really spoken about or practised in the hospital system. Mm -hmm. I went to school for, whatever, four years. A doctor went to school for much longer. Um, we work in this environment every day. I know better than you, so just listen to me. As in to the mother. Yeah, that's yeah. the, I guess, the idea or ideology of the hospital and I guess most people that work in a hospital and in the medical system, they see themselves as the authority, whereas it shouldn't be that way. It should be the woman is the authority. It's her body. It's her experience. It's her baby. She should be the boss. Mm -hmm. She knows what's best. And, again, we've come so far from being intuitive and um, knowing our body and knowing what our body needs and what it feels, women have been conditioned to outsource so much of that and outsource their reassurance to someone else mm. and give up their authority. They're literally giving the authority to someone else to tell them how their baby is and how they are and mm. what to do and what to feel and when to push and when your baby should be born, where it's it's the innate knowledge and wisdom of our body. It's built in us to know how to birth babies. We've mm. been doing it for millions of years. Mm. Now take me there. What does it look like to empower a woman to be in that intuition? How do you go on that process? How do you help them discover something maybe that they've lost and how do you be that kind of middle ground to guiding them but still making them walk their path alone? Yeah, that's the thing. It's, um, yeah, a facilitator. Mm. I'm, facil I'm not managing anything, which is what the medical system would do. I like to look at myself as facilitating this journey that the woman is going on and just allowing women or giving them the okay to, like, 
tap into their innate wisdom that's built into their body and being and reminding them you have everything that you need mm-hmm. to birth your baby and to grow your baby. Yep. And so you ask questions, I would assume. You start is that how you facilitate these things? You ask yeah. questions. I you think get- in the classes, um, we go through just the physiology of our body mm-hmm. and how the body works mm-hmm. and the hormones and everything like that. And it just it's the that part that just clicks for a lot of people. When you sh- when I share that with women, it then clicks for them. Mm, they start to feel into it. They start to yeah. understand it. They're they- like, oh, I have so much more power and knowledge than I even give myself credit for. Yep. And, again, it's so simple but it's made to be so complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it look like when I get to the day and it's happening? How does it differentiate from in a sterilised environment where I'm on a bed, legs open, everyone's around me, curtains, fucking flashlights in my fucking face? Yeah. So what that's it- what we're conditioned to think birth is. Yeah. But that's only recently. Like yep. maybe the last two generations have birthed in a hospital but everyone else have they've birthed at home. Our nonnas weren't birthed in a hospital. Our nonnas were birthed in their own house. Whoa. (laughs) And it was just another day. What I like to do is when I um, see or meet an older person um, and I've asked my nonna, I've asked my partners, yaya, like what their experience of birth is and um, John's yaya, my partner, she said she was there for one of her younger siblings' birth and she's like, oh, it was just another day. My mum was at home. She went into labour so then we called the sister over and my mum had the baby and that's it. And then we were having dinner at the dinner table. Well, really? Yeah, and that's it. That's birth. That's, that's what it should be. It's not this big chaotic commotion. Women shouldn't be on their bed in a in a medical sterilized environment with strangers sticking their fingers up their vagina mm-hmm. and having people they don't know staring at them for 10, 20 hours mm-hmm. in a place that they're not familiar with, with smells they're not familiar with, with the lights on. That's not how we're meant to birth. That's why things go wrong. Okay. That's why we see so many emergencies happening and cesareans and all of that kind of stuff because that's not how women should be birthing. And so in that situation of a cesarean, yeah, and so that this is where I'm probably the most curious because the way I see life is that, yes, people have gone on such a journey to remove themselves to the way things used to be and find out all this information and then they come back into realising this actually can really help me, this this knowledge of just what we already knew and if that isn't uh, discarded, that's actually need, needing to be guarded, you know. But science plays still a role in those situations, no? Like if, if they can't get through the birth canal and whatnot, what would happen then in one of your birthing situations? So I think we're also conditioned to think birth is dangerous yeah. and that there's so many things that can go wrong. Exactly, yeah, for sure. That's not actually true. Like 99% of births are normal and natural. (laughs) The more we intervene in a natural process, the more it will become unnatural. So the more intervention and disturbance that a woman has in that natural process, actually the more dangerous it will be for her and the baby. 
Okay. Um, for labour and birth to happen naturally and seamlessly, there has to be no disturbances to that natural process. Mm-hmm. And when women are birthing in a medicalised environment and their labours and births are managed mm-hmm. um, medically, then their body's not going to work as it should work. And uh, that's where okay. we're going to see things go wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's it's... Most of the time it's because of the intervention. Um, that's why, you know, births can go de- get derailed. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that because... It's not that birth is dangerous. Yep. It's when we intervene with a natural process, emergencies will arise from that. Okay, so you're saying that, and I'm, I'm just trying to discover this, this is yeah. great for me, due to the body, which is making decisions on its own, going through an unnatural process, having things happen that aren't conducive to safety and letting it do its thing. It can seize up, it can freak out, things will not go as planned because it is being forced to go into something rather than Mm. it just following its natural cycle. 100%. If we look at animals, how do animals birth their babies? It just drops out. (laughs) It just drops out. Are we putting them in a sterile environment? Are we trying to manage them? Are we pulling out their babies? Mm. Do we even go near an animal when they're birthing? Do we Mm. even go near them? No, of course not. Where are they birthing? What kind of environment would an animal birth in? Nature. Yeah. Nothing sterilised at all. It's it's all natural. It's in the We're probably like let's just leave the animal alone because I don't want to disturb what's happening. And so do you use anything that you learnt within that? I would assume, is there any place for the the way things are being done in a, that sterilised environment that you still use within your practice or within that birthing at all? Are there still any practices that come into that? Yeah, definitely. So hospitals and caesareans and, you know, the medical world definitely have a place yeah. but not for the majority of women. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't just get your appendix taken out just because. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it starts to flare up and there's issues, then you will go see a doctor, you know. If you're just going about your normal day and you have a cold or whatever, that's like a natural part of life. You're not checking yourself into a hospital. Mm -hmm. You're just letting things run its course. But if you were really, really sick and you're like, fuck, I need help, that's why hospitals are there. Mm. Same with during pregnancy and birth. Like if the woman, and this is why it's really important to be connected to our body and our baby and that's what I preach for all my clients and on my Instagram all I preach is everything that you do just do it intuitively become connected with your body and your baby and then you will know whether you whether something's wrong or not Mm. but if you're always from the start even before pregnancy if you're always outsourcing your reassurance you're never going to be able to reassure yourself or know for yourself, how you're feeling and how your baby is. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that connection starts there. And then as the pregnancy goes along, if the woman intuitively feels like there is something wrong and that she needs to check out for the safety of herself or her baby, that is why hospitals are there. That's why, um, you know, operating rooms are there. That's why obstetricians and doctors and stuff are Mm. there for when we need them. What I'm hearing is that it starts at crisis for a lot of people. She's going into labour, it's this crisis, it's this thing where everything could go wrong because in a moment I could lose everything that I care about rather than using the system and the science for what it's there for, which is 
if there is crisis, if something is happening, then I can go and use this tool. But not starting at crisis, actually mm. coming back and going, wait a minute, this is happening. This is a normal thing. This yeah. is a beautiful thing. This isn't something to be scared of and frightened of and have cortisol pump through me to go into this event where we can all die. Um, it's actually something that can be had and has been had for millions of years and we can trust yeah. our bodies and ourselves to get through it. Yeah. Um, and it's good for like men or partners to understand how a woman's body works and understand the the cocktail of hormones that need to happen for labour to progress and happen seamlessly. So then you're not scared and creating this, I guess, chaotic, stressful energy mm. for your partner who's labouring. Um, support people or dads, partners, whatever, need to have a trust in the woman and need to have trust in birth. Mm -hmm. And you're not there, I tell dads or partners, you're not there to save her. She can't be saved. There's nothing to save her from. Mm. You just need to be that grounding energy that allows her to feel safe and comfortable and just allow her body to do what it does and you're just there to witness. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also there's another layer of there's this illusion of safety when it comes to birth and hospitals. Yeah. Um, nothing in life is guaranteed. Pregnancy is not safe. Birth is not inherently safe. Um, things can go wrong. Um and it can go wrong whether you're at home doing it without a hospital or it can go wrong in the hospital. When you talk to a lot of people that have birthed in a hospital, a lot of them will have traumatic births. Yeah. But they're in the hospital where it's meant to be safe. Mm. So why are they all lots of women, nearly 40% of women, nearly half of the population, is having surgery to birth their baby? And that's in the hospital where it's meant to be safe. You know, we always want to create this illusion of safety, but we're not guaranteed safety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it all depends on, again, it comes back to the woman. You know, there's risk in pregnancy, regardless whether you have 100 ultrasounds um, or you have none. Um, and there's a risk in birth, whether you're in the hospital or whether you're at home, the risk is still there. Mm. But it's up to the woman to decide what ri what risk she is willing to take for herself and her baby because she is the authority mm -hmm. and she gets to decide. Mm. Okay. But again, once you understand how your body works and what your body needs for labour and birth, um, then there aren't many emergencies. Mm -hmm. Some other curious questions that, yeah. that, are, that are there for me while we're in this place is like what are some of those like practices that you go through with the women uh, to help them connect the self or help them within that relationship and communion with their body? Um, I think it's, again, just being intuitive and a lot of people are like, oh, how do I do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like what does that mean? And it's as simple as... Um, listening to what your body's asking for. <laughs> when you're tired, make sure you rest. Mm -hmm. um, if during pregnancy you have cravings, 
listen to those cravings. If your body's got aversions and you're like, I don't even want to smell that food, don't have it. If you're taking supplements and they're making you sick, your body's telling you not to have them. Um, if you're feeling run down, your body's telling you that it needs you to look after it a little bit more. Um, it's as simple as that. <laughs> Just yeah. really going back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is connecting with their baby. I tell all my clients, talk to your baby every single day. Um, put your hands on your stomach and tune in with your baby. Um, other things is hypnosis tracks that we have in the Hypnobirthing Australia program. Um, everyone that does the classes gets hypnosis tracks and it kind of is like guided meditation as well, mm. um, which is really big and that really helps um, it helped me and helps a lot of my clients as well, just building that positive and empowered mindset. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then again, just reflecting, like if they come to me with um, any issues or they're stressed or, you know, they have questions like I don't know what to do, it's just reflecting back to them and working through it. I'm not giving them answers but just helping to facilitate an answer that they come up with themselves. Have you had women finish going on this journey with you that have, I would just assume, have such a more resonance with themselves and trust through that whole process, through going through the creation of life? Have you seen that? 100%. That's why I do what I do. Um, I had a client last year who came to me and was like, I, I, I want a cesarean. Like I was, she's like, I'm, I was terrified of birth and I really, I wanted a cesarean. And then she's like, but then I started talking to women who really wanted natural births. And I'm like, oh, what, like, why is that so important? And she's like, so now I want to try for a natural birth, but I'm definitely having an epidural. Um, so there was all this fear in the birth process, but lack of confidence from herself and her ability And she went from wanting a cesarean to then wanting an epidural pain relief in the hospital to then wanting an all-natural, unmedicated birth, and she ended up birthing her baby at home in her bathtub. Wow. And this is with nothing. 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 No. Going through the whole motion, doing so. I I, I keep saying breathing techniques because that's where my mind is. (laughs) Like they have to be fucking breathing through this. Well, yeah, I think breathing helps everyone. Yeah. So that's definitely part of it. And, and, and the, the water's on. Like, actually, let's, like, if we could actually colour this in a little bit for me because when you just go, and then yeah. that, I'm like, nothing? <laughs> like, nothing else no. there or? Birth is beautiful. Yeah. It is magical and it's the most beautiful thing that you could ever witness. Um, and that's, like, what I love doing. It's just I'm there to witness. I went from being a midwife, managing, being hands-on, needing to be part of it to now just sitting back and just watching. And everything happens so much more beautiful and natural with me just sitting there watching than me doing all of the things. Yeah, wow. Um, Yeah, it's dark. It's quiet. We're just, there's a few people there just witnessing this woman. No one's talking, no one's saying anything and you're hearing all these birth sounds and women are 
um, moaning or they're roaring. So when women are vocal in their labour and birth and people would look at that as screaming in pain and suffering, but that's not what it is. Um, it's a birth roar, like a lion. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, to me that's like the best thing to witness is when women are roaring out their babies because that is like that's real power mm. is when a woman is birthing her baby. And then she births her baby and she lifts her baby out of the water and puts it on her chest and you're just there like glued to that scene and it's just magical. And so you've had three kids. Has any one of them been a natural birth? All of them. All of them? Yeah. So it's kind of um, been a process. I went, I had my daughter in hospital and I had an epidural, so it was um, a bit more medicated and there was intervention in that. Then I had my second at home with midwives. Um, I had my son in my bathtub in my ensuite. Yeah. And then... My last pregnancy and birth, I did it on my own. I didn't book into a hospital. I didn't have a doctor. I didn't have a midwife. I just did everything myself and intuitively. And I birthed my son in my living room in a blow-up pool, witnessed by my partner. My daughter was in the pool with me and I had two of my friends. Wow. Amazing. Mm. And so what has this journey taught you? Through this whole journey, I've become so much more of a feminist. But not like I fucking hate men. They're all cunts. Not like that. (laughs) Um, Not like that at all. But more so just women are powerful. Mm. Women have knowledge. um, And we have all of these rites of passage that have been like just squashed down Mm. so constantly that our power is always being squashed down. And this is one way where I can build up women. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking me on a fucking journey. I feel like I just did my own little bachelor degree in fucking (laughs) (laughs) in everything, Sarah, and and what you do. And, uh, yeah, just thanks for getting into the weeds with me. And, no problem. And, and helping me see more than anything the power of women. Like that's my biggest thing of taking away from this is the power of women, the power of our bodies, how mm. important it is to be in the knowing with myself. And I've been through many things in life as well where I haven't trusted myself and that's like a big part mm. of my story where I've felt things and I've gone out there for advice and dear friends and people are just doing their best. Again, that's my belief. Everyone's just doing what they think is the right thing. And I've gone, oh, they're right because maybe I'm just tripping. And Mm. I'd say at least nine out of ten times uh, I've not been tripping. Your gut's right. Gut's bang on. Dads get a lot from my classes as well just Mm. about, um, just like you said, being able to or giving yourself permission to like listen to yourself and be intuitive and know Mm. that, you know, I know what I'm feeling, I know what I need. And knowing that, yeah, like you said, it's right. Yeah, and I really appreciate uh, your journey and what it must be like to be a woman in in one of your classes, in one of your moments of ritual for them to go on this rites of passage and become a mother, which is, you know, fuck, without that we wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be here. 
It's exactly right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The next time you go and visit a new baby, you don't worry about the baby. Mm. Everyone always walks into the room and he's like, oh, the baby, baby, baby. Go to the mother. How are you feeling? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do that to my brother's partner, my sister-in-law, mm. Dominique. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that and we love her. We give her all the love and whatnot. But, yeah, I'm always looking at the baby. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that next time I roll over to their house this Saturday. Yeah, she will appreciate that. Yeah. Last but not least, if anyone wanted to get, get in contact with you or connect with you, if, is there anything coming up, uh, what does that look like and how do people do that? Um, I run classes. I used to run them monthly, but at the moment for this year, I'm doing them every few months. So I have my next class in June and then the following class will be in October. But I am taking on clients to support them throughout their pregnancy and their birthing journey, whatever that might look like for them. So just reaching out on uh, my social media, on my Instagram, at the.midwifemummy. Ex-midwife as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw that in there as well for any listeners. It's important to note that it's whatever it looks like for them because I saw hospital was in there as well and you do these natural births in many different places, whatever works for the woman. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Home birth and free birth is not for everyone. Um, if women are having a birthing at home because they think it's the right thing to do but they're shit scared, that's not good for them. Mm. So mm. I just facilitate and try and make it the best experience I possibly can for them and empower them as much as I possibly can. Amazing. Well, Guli Glietna. I'm actually saying my first girlfriend's <laughs> last name. How do you say that? Gianetta. Gianetta. Sarah Gianetta, thank you so much for bringing your wisdom, your work and, yeah, your womanhood to Woke Wogs. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Till next time. Yeah. Well, till I get a a partner, we go on that mm. journey. And I'll see you in my class. 100%. <laughs> well, 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 would you look at that? You made it to the end of this Wogcast. It must mean you enjoyed yourself. And if you want to support myself in this new venture, please like, subscribe and share it on your social channels. Thank you for all the help and support. Of course, I'll see you here next time on Wogcast.